Oh, wow, freedom, freedom 90, right? I'm glad you did that and not me. I just want to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sure I do. Uh, it's on my I, I, iTunes. No, I'm lying. Uh, it's a great song. I love the song. I love any song about freedom, frankly. And, um, you know, I, I, had a, I had a discussion not too long ago with a pretty good friend. And we were talking about freedom. And not, not so much freedom in our country. I mean, that's a great subject to talk about, too. We're talking about freedom in terms of in church, because so many times people don't put those two terms or those two concepts together, freedom and church. And, uh, and the truth is, that's too bad, because that's the way it was designed. It's, freedom is such an important part of, of the gospel, about being set free in Christ. Jesus talks about freedom a lot. And uh, we're going to look at a passage uh, from the, from the, the book of Romans, not not Jesus' words, but the Apostle Paul talking about freedom as well. And uh, so there's just it's just here. And and one of the one of the if I could just put it in common terminology, one of the doggone dirty shames uh, in Christian places today is that freedom is so so talked about so little, except when you talk about democracy or the Fourth of July, and that's a good place for it too. But I'm talking about in a different regard in terms of one's relationship with God, in terms of one understanding what it means to, to have freedom and, and, and how we can be set free and how so many times those of us who have been in church, and again, this whole series, what is church and why should I care, I've told you, my whole thing is not to bash other churches. And for the most part, I think I've done pretty good with that. This is our sixth Sunday on this. And um, at the same time, that, that, that churches, so I'm going so to use all of my, all my credit points right here. At the same time, so many churches just do flat out, knowingly or unknowingly, and I'm not the judge, you just lose a lot of freedom. A lot of it has to do with rules and, and regulations and doing this and being a part of this and doing it. Let me show you something from uh, New York Times Magazine last year. Organized religion offers us comfort, but also pain, even if, even if it is merely the pain of restriction and regulation, of obeying the rules. It's an essential aspect. It's an essential aspect of belonging to most churches. You know what? He's right. I'm not happy about that. And that's one of the reasons we have tried to do something. We're not perfect, certainly, in, in this regard. But we've gone out of our way to try to make sure we don't get into that. We, don't have, we, we have membership. I say we don't have membership. You know what? If you come here more than once and you, you like who we are, you're a member, okay? You're a member. So you're welcome to say, I'm a member at Renaissance Church. We don't have a role. We have an email list. Somebody says, well, that may be, that may be a membership list. We don't have a, a membership class that you go through when you do this and you do this. And the point is this, because there's really only one membership that counts. That's God's. As I've said so many times, it's not, if you're not a part of, him, of, of Christ and what he's doing, it doesn't matter what church you're a member of. And if you're a member of a church and, and you don't really care about being on God's, in God's deal, then that church isn't going to help you either. So, so that's part of the thing that I want you to see. You know, even one of our presidents, Memorial Day, let's talk about one of our presidents. In fact, let's talk about the president who started Memorial Day. I don't know if you know this, not a little historical trivia fact. Memorial Day is basically, if you lived in the South, like I did for a while, um, and, and, and married to somebody from the South, like I have for a while, um, almost, almost 35 years, um, you learn a few of these things. This is a Yankee holiday. 
This was a Yankee holiday. When I first moved into this into the South to work in radio, um, you know, Memorial Day, other than the government office, nobody took Memorial Day off. That's a Yankee holiday. I didn't know that then. I've le- since learned it was started by Abraham Lincoln. And it was started for the purpose of remembering those soldiers. And Lincoln was careful. All soldiers, he didn't just say Union soldiers because the way Lincoln was. But, of course, you know how the Confederacy took that. But it was started for the purpose of remembering those who fought and died uh, during the Civil War. And, of course, since that time, it has taken off and for, for all, all the troops of, of America uh, to, to remember what they have done for us and to give us freedom. Let me show you what he says about church, Lincoln. I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. When any church will inscribe over its altars as its, sore, as its sole qualification for membership, the Savior's condensed statement for the substance of both law and the gospel. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That church will I join with all my heart and soul. So you can leave here today and you can say, I went to Renaissance Church. That's where Abraham Lincoln would be a member if he were alive today living in this area. Because he would. But I mean, I think that says it all, doesn't it? The frustration that we so many times come to when we come to this thing called church, whether it's here or somewhere else, and we start talking about freedom, and people start, you know, start talking about, you know, what does that have to do with anything? Let me show you one more thing, and I want to show you, and then I want to get into the Bible. But let me show you one more thing. This comes from, this comes from our uh, statement of values for Renaissance Church. It is in your program every week. It's on our website. It's very important to us, these statement of values. There are several things there. I'm going to show you one excerpt of uh, the statement of values on freedom. Gracious freedom is how it is termed. You can see it on your program. We believe that God has extended his grace to everyone. Thus, we seek to practice generous love that encourages individuality, fosters acceptance, and seeks forgiveness. And about all you can say to that is, amen. That's true. That's an important value. Not just for a church, but for my life individually and for your life. So I want to take you to a passage in the Bible. And, and, and this particular passage is, is uh, two verses. Great passage. Probably if you've been around churches for very long that teach the Bible, you may have heard this before, and that's okay. And it doesn't really mention freedom. But yet freedom is throughout the whole passage. So I want to show you this. It's from Romans. It's chapter 12. We're going to first look at it in the uh, New Living Translation, which is what I normally use. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept, which is your spiritual service of worship. New American Standard puts that in there. That's why I put it in parentheses or in italics, excuse me, in parentheses. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his, real, his will really is. So you ask, you ask, where does this address freedom? Where's freedom in this? Um, Galatians, for instance, I'll just tell you this. Galatians chapter 5 says, Christ, Christ has set us free. Make sure that you stay free. We'll look at that again in a moment. 
So Galatians says, Christ has set us free. Make sure that you set us free. Make sure that you stay free. So here's what I want you. I'm going to just take three little concepts, very important, they're not little, but three basic major concepts from those two verses, and I want you to show, I want to show you that in Christ there is freedom in these three areas. And it's really more than these. I'm just going to try to encapsulate everything in these three things, okay? And, uh, and there's a lot more than this, but let's just start here. The first thing that there is freedom in is what I'm going to call authentic worship, okay? Authentic worship. You say, where do you get that? Well, look back in that, back in that passage in verse 1. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a, here it is, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. That's what you did, particularly in the Old Testament. And of course, the apostles referring back to that. Did you give your sacrifice? What's your sacrifice? Well, back in those days, it was, you know, goats and, and, and sheep and, and cows and, and all kinds, of, you know, burnt offerings and, and, and other kinds of offerings. And he's saying, here's your sacrifice, you. Give yourself. And he calls it a living sacrifice, thankfully. Um, and so, and, and, and the New American Standard, as I said, puts in there, which is your spiritual service of worship. Here's what I want you to see about this, this whole authentic worship thing. And this is very important. We can get into a lot of stuff here, and I'm going to try to do this in a way that will be not offensive, but I want you to really think, and I want you to really think through this, not just now, but even later on, okay? You come here for a worship service at Renaissance Church or some other church. Go to that church for a worship service. And what is that? Well, I mean, that's a time certainly that we set aside to, to, to learn about and sing praises to and about Christ and who he is and what he has done and will do in our lives and so forth. Is that a worship service? Yes, it is. Worship time, whatever you want to call that, all right? But what I want you to see is the way that the apostle sets it down for us in, in Romans 12, one is it's not just about an hour a week or maybe if you're really good, two or three hours a week or even four or five hours a week, all right? What it's about is your life. One of the things that has happened many times in Christian circles is we have compartmentalized that whole worship thing. I'm going to go worship today. And then we go out and live however the heck we want to live. Now, what is that? That's not what God would have. And, 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 and that's part of the issue here that I want you to see. It's how you live. I worship by how I live. I worship God by how I treat people. I worship God by how I treat my family. This isn't separated up in little, in little compartments of my life. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to see in this particular passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, give your bodies to God. Let them be living and holy sacrifice. That's what he's going to accept. That's your spiritual service of worship. Now, when we come together to worship, you know, and this is the issue, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird. People, you know, it's all kinds of different styles of worship. And if I were to sit down here and I were to say, we're going to have a discussion of worship tonight, there'd be some who would come and they would say, we need to have a kind of worship service where, where there's, it's a little more liturgy and maybe we, we recite a couple of some of the creeds or, or maybe the Apostles' Creed, and so, which are good, very good things. Um, or maybe, maybe a, a responsive reading or something more. And then there'd be some say, no, 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 we don't want that. We want some rock and roll music where we can sing our praises to God and we can raise our hands. And some will say, no, 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 I don't want to raise my hands. I want to keep my hands on my lap and just listen and kind of go along with it. You see, my point is this. We would go through all kinds of styles. Let me, let me help you with this one, okay? 
there really isn't a wrong style as long as it's honoring to God. You know, and, and one of the things, you know, and, and we have a little bit of both here, and, and, and which is, I like that actually, Renaissance. We have some who, who would like, you know, who like liturgy, even though we don't do too much liturgy. Um, it's not a bad idea. Maybe someday we might incorporate some in some way or something like that. And there are some who want a little more hand-waving. And there are some, I don't want to wave my hands. I don't want to do that. That's okay. One is not better than another. But that's what we think of when we start talking about worship style. Here's what I, here's what I want you to take out of here. I mean, you, you think about that, talk about that. And it, it's best to talk about that with someone who disagrees with you. Because then you can really learn. You really can. I mean that. You can really learn about that. Here's what I want you to do, though. Here's the one thing we all need to do that needs to be a part of our life in terms of worship. And that is just how we conduct ourselves and how we live our lives 24-7. It's not just about what happens here. That'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? Well, I got an hour of worship in this week. Oh, that's great. God's really impressed. You know, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's not important coming to church. I think I I love you being here. I wish more people were here. I'm not saying it's not important. It is important, but that I pray to God that's not your entirety for your entire thing for worship for this week or any given week or any month or whatever it happens to be. So that's authentic worship. Second, second uh, thing when we talk about in Christ there is freedom, not only for worship on a, just how we live our lives. But to be, I like this part, to be authentically you. I really like this one. You say, where do you get that? Be authentically you. Look what he says in verse 2. We'll go back to the passage. Don't copy, right there in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. Now, he's not saying we shouldn't be fashionable. Or some people take that to mean that. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to look, you know, halfway, you know, relevant to our culture. I'm not saying that at all. That's not his point. His point is, if you keep reading here, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And what he's saying is... God, you know, be authentically you. Be authentically who you are and let God make that into the person that you really are. Let God do that. Um, God's desire for you is to give you the ability to be who you are and not just fit into some mold. Not just fit in, well, this is how I'm supposed to act. I mean, and, and you know, this is the world we live in. We all know that. It's not just today. It's been this, like this for as long as I've been alive. There's a certain certain model or a certain role of, of how people in our particular classes that we associate with and our, how they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to do and, and what, you know, and, and you know, you'd go along with that, whatever you can do or whatever. But what he's saying is, look, okay, fine. Don't, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world to make you into somebody that you're not. That's his point. Not that you don't want to try to dress in a way that would be appropriate. But he's talking about who you are. Let me put it to you this way. I think this might help. Do you ever feel like you, you just get into certain situations and you just can't be who you are? Just can't be me. You know, I, I want to be who I am. That doesn't mean, I'm not saying it in a selfish way, but I just want to be the person that God made me to be. I want to exercise the gifts that I have, the talents that I have, be the personality that I have, and not be condemned because I'm a little weird or a little different. Let's face it, we're all a little weird. We're all a little different. 
you know, in different ways. It's just, that's just who we are and how we are and, and the way God has made us. And what God is telling us, I made you that way. And that, that be authentically who you are. And I'll tell you, I don't think that could happen at a basic elemental gut level without God working in our hearts. First of all, giving us the ability. And first of all, helping us understand who we really are. And then secondly, being able to just live that out. I love that about this whole thing of freedom. God says, I made you. I don't want you trying to be like somebody else. I don't want you to be, you know, I don't, you know, just because Angelina Jolie has her baby in South Africa, that doesn't mean you have to, because she's cool. She just had a baby. I don't know if you know that. I saw that this morning and somewhere. I don't know where I saw it. Did you know that? Did everybody know that? I just thought, you know, but isn't it amazing how some people, well, you know, you do this and so and so that, you know, we have this whole star thing, this whole celebrity thing going on, which is really hard to understand. Uh, because it's just, I mean, it really is. I mean, okay, so a person can act in a movie or can sing really well or is a great athlete or whatever it happens to be, that doesn't mean that I need to be just like that, you know? And sometimes we, we, we get a whole thing going and it's just really weird stuff. God says, be you. Don't be, don't be just like your dad. Don't be just like your mom. Don't be just like the person who you really idolize or in a, in a good way and have a high, high opinion of. He says, you be you. And God is really saying, let me, let me help you be you. Because he's going to do that, as he puts it here, by transforming you into a new person as you yield to God, the Holy Spirit. I love that part. And yet you get sometimes in quote-unquote religious circles, and they keep trying to, oh, you know, good boys don't do that. Good girls don't do that. Bad boy, you know. They start doing that whole thing. And that's just not here. Men do that. But God doesn't do that. doesn't mean there aren't things we shouldn't do. That's a different issue. So, in Christ, there is freedom to have authentic worship. In Christ, there is freedom to be authentically you. Third thing, last thing. In Christ, there is freedom to do what you're supposed to do because you want to. One of the best kept secrets about being a follower of Christ. I love this concept. People get into all this stuff. If we will let God, he will change the way we think. He just said that. Go back to that verse again. Let me show you that again. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world there in the beginning, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Then you will know how, to, how the good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. So this is the whole thing that I think is very important is that God gives us the ability. Uh, this, is, this is the huge issue to me. That, that we that we're want to do what we're supposed to do because we want to, not just because we're supposed to or because we'll feel guilty if we don't or we're going to get hit with a ruler if we don't or we're going to get hit over the head by God, some cosmic ruler that he's going to lay down on us and, and just boom, boom, boom if we don't. We do what we do because we know it's the right thing to do and we want to do that. doesn't mean we always will. One of the great arguments that you find, in the, you find among among people of faith, it's always this thing, well, if you're a person of faith and you really want to go out and do something that's wrong and you want to really be some, do something sinful, whatever, however big or little that might be, uh, can you be a person of faith and still want to do something wrong? Of course you can. 
The truth is you're going to most of the time desire not to do that, but even when you do, there's going to be some, there's going to be some remorse, some, some, some healthy guilt in this sense. I shouldn't have done that. So that still happens. But the issue here is when we really understand this freedom that we have in Christ, we do what we're supposed to do because there is a genuine desire in my heart to do that because I desire to please God. You know, one of the things... I, we, we can't always do this, but let me just do this. In my own life, I can explain it. Um, my dad is far from perfect, but one of the things that he did that, that I was, uh, that I was that he, as a young man so appreciative, I look back on more than I did then, that I was so appreciative. He didn't beat me up with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, there was discipline in our home, but there was also a lot of love, and there was also a lot of, you know, this is, this is how you should live, this is how you shouldn't live, and here's why you shouldn't live this way. I remember going through a period of, as, as many of us do, after I got away from high school and was in, in school, and, and I got away from some of the things that I was taught in home and church and kind of doing, going through a little rebellious period. And yeah, I don't know. Whatever you do in those things, chasing whatever. Anyway, um, and I, I remember two or three times in the middle of the night, not being asleep, but being in different, you know, going about doing things and being, seeing people and being in activities and so forth that I shouldn't be in. I remember the thought two or three times, what if my dad could see me? And what my dad had instilled in me, which I'm so grateful, was it wasn't a matter of, oh, I would, I would, I'd turn into fear. It was just one of the things of, oh, man, he'd be so disappointed in me. This is something we, I, tried to, I tried to emulate with our kids as well. By the way, dads, that's the kind of thing that we need to teach, not a whole guilt thing, but... Oh, I'd be, he'd be so disappointed. I just remember how it felt. In a much greater sense, that should be our understanding toward God. When we do violate some principle of Scripture or, or, or do something that's clearly wrong, there needs to be not just some, you know, oh, I've got to go crawl in the, my face at the front of the church and ask for repentance. There needs to be just a, a simple heartfelt acknowledgement of, God, I know you're so disappointed in me right now, and I'm sorry. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now help me to move on. Help me to forgive myself and move on. You see, it's doing what you're supposed to do because you want to, because of what God has done inwardly. That's freedom, folks. That's freedom. Not because, oh, if I don't, God's going to come out of the sky with this cosmic cloud and just wipe me out. You know? Because of that. Real quick, let me go through these things real quick. Therefore, therefore, what do we have freedom from? I'm going to be a little repetitious with some of these. Some of these won't be, but just I'm just going to run through a few quick bullet points. So when we understand this thing, that we have freedom in Christ and we have authentic worship and, and we can be authentically myself and that I, I do what I'm supposed to do because I want to, what are some of the things that happen? What, what do we have freedom from? We have freedom from rules, for one. Doesn't mean we don't have some rules in our lives. Doesn't mean we don't have standards. We have freedom from that. Uh, Thoreau said, I love that quote, any fool can make a rule and any fool will mind it. Um, There's so much truth to that. Freedom from rules. Freedom from people pleasing. Isn't that a killer? Freedom from performance living. I got to perform a certain way if I'm a good little Christian boy or girl. Freedom from worry. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from, from what I call cookie cutter Christianity. Always hated that, but you know, a certain if you're Christian, you want to use that term, follower of Christ, that you're going to look a certain way. 
and you're gonna and you're gonna you know you're gonna be this way and that way, and you're gonna have this political affiliation, and you're gonna you're gonna like these kind of things, and you're gonna do this, and you're gonna you know, the whole cookie cutter thing. We're free from that. Gosh, I love that. Freedom from covering up, freedom from hiding behind facades. We don't do that. Don't want you to do that. Here's a good one. Freedom from mandatory church attendance. This crowd doesn't need this here, this one. I, I said, you know. Um, yeah, some people get hung up on that stuff. You know that? Oh, you miss church? Now, I may say I missed you, but it's just because I missed you. It's not because I think you're some sort of heathen out, you know, laying out all night, whatever. You, you may be doing that. We may be talk about that. It's a different issue. But the point is, this whole thing of church attendance sometimes gets a whole, gets all crazy. Freedom from what I will call this, and again, this, I've got to be real careful with this because I can come across a little judgmental, and of course you know I'm not judgmental. But uh, freedom from christian cultural stuff. I like it when I get that confused look back. christian cultural stuff. Sometimes when you're a follower of Christ and you're a Christian, you think you have to listen to certain kinds of music. You think you have to in some cases, listen to certain kinds of radio or watch certain kinds of TV or, or use certain language. And we've got to talk, I have that, what I call this God talk. And, and, and oh, he's a Christian. You've got to look a certain way. You've got to dress a certain way. And, and it's, it's not too much here, but it still carries over. And the thing is, when you're a follower of Christ, you, know, you may go for that, that's fine. But you don't have to. You don't have to be in a quote-unquote Christian-y type of culture. And your kids are going to do this, and they're going to do this. And it becomes a real crazy thing. One of the, one of the important parts of what we want to do at Renaissance is to make a, a church where people who don't understand the whole God talk stuff and don't hear people talking about praise God, hallelujah, and all that kind of stuff could come here and feel comfortable because they won't feel like they're, you know, somebody speaking some sort of foreign language or some sort of foreign concept in terms of the, the whole christian God talk kind of thing. So the point that I want you to see is when, we're, when, we, when we recognize the freedom that we have in Christ, we're free from all this cultural, quote-unquote, Christian cultural baggage that we sometimes think we have to have. And it's not as big of a deal where we live as much as it is, particularly in the, in the other places I've been, the Midwest and the Southeast and so forth. But um, it's still a big deal. Here's the point. Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free, now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law, anybody's law. Your mate's law, the Mosaic law, Rich's law, the Renaissance law, the church law, any law. You're free in Christ to live a life that will please him. Don't miss that. I mean, that's, that's... it's, it, it's, it's, I almost believe sometimes, I mean, if there's some, somebody asked me uh, some time ago, they said, you know, what's your, what's your hobby horse? Every minister has a hobby horse. Some it's, you know, don't drink. Some it's don't cuss. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make the cut in either one of those, but uh, <laughs> I, my hobby horse is freedom. It's freedom. And the freedom that we can have in Christ when we have an understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God and the freedom. Am I worried about somebody having too much freedom that therefore they're going to go out and live in such a way that's going to just be a, a, a lot of debauchery and sinfulness? And, and is, that, is that a possibility? That's, that's true for anybody. 
That, that happens with people who don't have freedom. That's, that's true. That happens with people who teach all kinds of law because that happens in life. Am I worried about that by teaching freedom? No, because I'm, I'm concerned that when people understand freedom, they understand a great new love for Christ. And there again, their desire is, I don't want to do that. Why? Because of my relationship with God. And I, don't want to, I don't want to do anything to impugn that or hurt that. And that's the issue. That's freedom. Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. I'm going to ask the band to come up. and Let me, let me pray and just ask God to help us understand this and, and drill it into our hearts. All right, God, thank you so much for these truths. I pray that we would live it. I thank you for your grace and for the, for the freedom that we have when we come to understand you, that Jesus came and, and died and rose again to give us freedom. Freedom from our sin, freedom from guilt, and freedom to live a life that uh, not only pleases you, but that is, has a degree of abundance and fulfillment in it as well because of a relationship with you. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for our time. Pray you'd bless it. Pray for each person here. Just pray that you give them a special blessing, God, for being here. And pray for protection for all of us that are here and all of our friends that aren't, wherever they might be, that uh, just protect us during this uh, busy holiday weekend. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.